1: thought halloween was over it's not extended halloween uh podcast episode it's another spooky one i'm jake flores this is pod damn america welcome to the show Anders lee's uh out this week today i am talking to a very special guest miss violet faraday professional dominatrix and my girlfriend I have a girlfriend, is what Anders always says. It's his catchphrase. Uh, <laughs> hello. Thank you for talking to me, V.
0: Yeah, hi. Um, how's it going, Jake? Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Oh, it's really good. Thank you for coming over to Flores Manor, the, uh, uh, the place that I do my tours. <laughs> uh, that joke will make sense further into the show when we get into what we're talking about. So, if you're asking yourself, uh, why are we listening to a politics podcast with someone who does BDSM professionally, what could that have to do with anything? Well, I've got some great news for you. This, I think, was a million-dollar idea. Um, It's an interesting topic, and also, if you are a hardcore fan of the show and you've been with us from the beginning, you will remember this motherfucker we're going to talk about today from like the second episode we ever did of Poddam, I wanted to talk with V over here about Russ McCabe, the guy who does extreme haunted houses where he's basically torturing people because uh, there's a new documentary about him on Hulu. We just watched it. It's pretty good. Um, I first discovered him like way back when I first started podcasting or doing this podcast at least. Because I was getting targeted ads for the, the shit he does, the extreme haunted house torture thing.
0: What does that say about? What does that say about you?
1: I know, right? I, like, obviously, it's feeding off of the combined vibe of like all of my search history <laughs> like <laughs> probably you know more extreme but like weirder porn where people you know do consensual stuff against each other that's somewhat violent uh but consensual you know kink.com type shit combined with i'm into horror films i'm a performer it all makes sense (laughs) somehow in the algorithm they were like this is the this is the guy this is the person that we should try to sell this experience to and so i was kind of morbidly fascinated with him or with just what would what these ads were i was getting because it was a really weird time in like the in the process of the algorithm turning into what it is today or whatever it was kind of like remember when you used to get sunglasses ads all the time
0: oh no my like targeted ads think that i'm like a gamer incel they've always just been like <laughs> fleshlights and waifu bodybuilders.
1: <laughs> that's pretty cool i could see that
0: <laughs> i wish i got sunglasses <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, would you're feel a, better about myself
1: you're a gamer you're just not an incel you're yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh i don't i don't Don't know that you would kick a waifu body pillow out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if it had the right hot anime check on it, just my guess.
0: (laughs) I have one, but she's in my closet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's so funny. (laughs) So, um yeah oh i'll I'll, fucking my algorithm during 2020 got really interesting just on that note i was getting like flak jackets and like just andrew hillary shirts with cats and rainbows on them and shit
0: ours were so different mine were like mine was like beans for your you know end of the world bunker and like um like Safety goggles.
1: <laughs> Mine, I, th- I literally it did that right up until J twenty. So I was like, "Oh, it thinks I'm one of these people <laughs> <laughs> because I like don't like the United States government or whatever."
0: Yeah, yeah, I was like, I don't think it could decide what I was. You know, I was. It was like, "Do you want a Hawaiian shirt and a AR R fifteen? Oh, well they thought you were a boogaloo guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not, not not accurate for yeah. the
1: record. It's so insulting when it gets the wrong subculture and you're like, I am not a <laughs> fucking EDM guy or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but anyway, uh so after I, you know, I had experienced that, I watched this really old documentary that was about extreme haunted houses and they sort of like profiled three or four different guys who did Extreme Haunted Houses. It was called like American Scream or something. Um, And it was pretty good, but what was really interesting about it was that the three other guys were like kind of normal. Like they were dorks and they were weird and they were uh, doing haunted houses and they would like interview their wives and they'd be like yeah you know he really likes it it's a little bit too much for me but whatever but then there was this fourth guy Russ McCi and he just stuck out and I remember being like really obsessed with him and like being like well, that's that, he was not like the other guys like there's something off about this dude they talked to him about how he was, like, you know, born near a fucking nuclear testing site or something, <laughs> and he was, like, in the military, and there's all these question marks hanging in the air over how did this guy get this way, and then they just talked to him about this thing that he started doing, which is he started doing, um, like, haunted houses in the neighborhood he lived in. Like he was, like, a suburban guy. Kids would come out, and then, like... They, in this documentary, they sort of talked about how eventually uh, he, he just started ramping it up more and more to where eventually well, one year he was like, you know what? This year, no kids. And it started to get a little bit weirder and disturbing from there. And he started filming it. And then it, it just uh, snowballed into this thing that got bigger and bigger and bigger. And he became infamous for having this thing that raises a lot of questions about consent yeah boundaries sexuality (laughs) PTSD cults like everything and the new documentary interviews a bunch of people who were like did the his thing like years ago and then realized that like they they had you know had various levels of PTSD about it and stuff (sighs) anyways there are parallels I think between what you do and what I do and a lot of different shit in this Let's discuss.
0: Yeah, there may have been one too many parallels between what I do and what he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, that this documentary was um, pretty, pretty interesting because they ha- they talked to like four different people that had very different experiences with it, but it kind of all came to the same conclusion, which is like "fuck McKinney Manor." Yeah. Um. But the, there was like. Two women uh, seemed to be really upset by the fact that um, it could have been sexually exciting to Russ without him disclosing that to them. Uh, and I didn't hear the men say that, but like they still also had a fucked up experience because they felt like their like, consent was kind of violated. So that was interesting.
1: Yeah. Noticing
0: the gender divide there.
1: It, yeah, that really was interesting. So it was like the the handful of different people that they interviewed who had agreed to to talk about their experience and be critical of him all had slightly different backstories and explained their motivations for having gone and done this which i think is what kind of made this fascinating one guy was ex military and was very open about the fact that he was like diagnosed with ptsd and he like figured out that this is probably why he was doing this.
0: Yeah, he was my favorite. He had my favorite quote from the documentary, (laughs) (laughs) which was exactly... I know I can't run an ultra marathon, but I can get tortured for twelve hours.
1: Yeah, we both laughed really hard because he said <laughs> it in that military nerd accent. He looked like one of the guys who gets recruited from playing like video games and then becomes like a very hardened person because <laughs> he still had like the nerd glasses. But he was talking about how like um people have a need when they have the trauma response. And when you have like, there's at least a working theory about PTSD where it creates uh, a need to sort of like re uh, fire some of those neurons. And he was saying um, something that like, that another you know who else kind of makes that point a lot is lee cowart the person who wrote that book hurts so good that you gave me
0: yeah shouts out to lee cowart that book rules
1: um she that's a really interesting book where she you know she talks about being into bdsm and stuff but she also like interviews a bunch of people that do all this other stuff like eating really hot chili peppers ballet fucking bad the ballet chapter is fucked up
0: (laughs) the shit that happens those women's
1: feet like (laughs) it's fucking spooked me um it was very graphic and you know it, but it's undeniable and like uh she also talk about marathon runners and that guy was thinking the same point which is that like like this happens this is like way more common than you would think a lot of people clearly are dealing with this in ways that just sort of don't appear as i guess odd and like yeah. raise as many red flags and so he said that thing it was really funny where he's like I couldn't ride a fucking marathon. (laughs) I get tortured for 12 hours, man.
0: (laughs) Shouts out to him.
1: (laughs) But I mean, a fair point, you know, like I don't want to fucking, I, you know, fucking same thing man I mean I don't know if it's a huge secret I bring it up from time to time on this podcast but I'm a fucking masochist I'm a freak I get off on pain you know and I don't want to run a marathon (laughs) (laughs) that seems like a boring way of doing that Um, and it's also like not artistic or sexual really in ways not
0: with that attitude it's not
1: (laughs) I guess you could (laughs) I don't think you're supposed to be horny when you're running a marathon you probably get like disqualified or something (laughs) but it's uh it doesn't feed like the specific wires that have been crossed in my mind i guess Mm -hmm. or soul or whatever the fuck central nervous system
0: um it's interesting that you brought up the comparisons from hurt so good between like bdsm and things like extreme sports i think about that a lot when people talk to me about like risk factors in my work because i you know do a lot of things like if you know, tie when you're tying somebody up or you're hitting them or, you know, dunking their head in water, or whatever in the form of consensual torture you're doing, there's a little there's risk involved. You can do everything to make it as safe as possible, but there's still a chance something can go wrong. And I always say to people, like I was like a competitive boxer. No one ever, no one ever was ever like, I'm so worried about you. <laughs> or like, if I want to go like skydiving, people don't do like a mental health check-in. Like we're, we let people do risky things in like every other facet until it gets horny and then people get very scared.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Right. That's what introduces the element of taboo. No one gives a fuck if you want to go, like, bungee jump off the side of a cliff. No one goes, Oh, is my coworker, you know, does they have a death wish? And it's like, maybe they do. (laughs) It's a dangerous ass thing to do. People die all the time doing that sort of stuff. Um, That's also, uh, that that also reminds me of, like, an interesting part of this, which is the the fact that so much of it is, like, organized and he gets away with so much of this stuff uh via these waivers like consent forms which are you know just like legal legally binding documents that like i don't know i guess something i was thinking about while we were watching this is like this it's not real it's like money it's like a piece of paper you know there's an extent to which this stuff is like um has repercussions legally like in court but there's also an extent to which it doesn't and also doesn't matter if if you signed a waiver and that someone kills you you still died you know
0: yeah or even get injured i mean you can't waver away gross criminal negligence or like severely injuring another person um that's like, you know how, like, um, Adriana Chechik got hurt at TwitchCon with the foam? Right, yeah. Yeah, like, you f- sign a waiver, but, like, you just still s- there's still have an obligation to build a, fo- build a foam pit that people can fall into and, like, not get grievously injured. Like, the paper doesn't make... You, you can't write an illegal contract and then have it hold up in court, right? And so, like, hurting people in the way that Russ McKinney does is not legal, and I... Don't understand how he hasn't been sued. They did not explain that in the documentary. But I think, like, it, it would just be really hard to go to court and then be like, this experience that I signed up for, let me explain why he owes me money or something, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, that's like the biggest mystery to me about him is like, how has, how has no one like really taken him down? Although, I, I get, I think the, maybe the answer to that is that this documentary is like the first thing that's really happening in terms of exposing him because I follow he, fo- I followed him on Twitter mm-hmm. years ago, just cause I was like, this is a weird morbid obsession I have. And, uh, and I like retweeted him on Halloween one time and he followed me back uh so i see his shit i this is not a um is, what, what, what do fucking annoying lib guys say like follows are not endorsements or whatever <laughs> yeah. I do, obviously don't endorse him i just followed him because it was fucking weird but i saw him reacting to this documentary when it came out and that's kind of how i became aware of it because he's mad about it he didn't participate in it and it does paint a picture of him that is not flattering at all like people more or less, accuse him of abuse, torture, possibly rape, like all sorts of stuff. Um, so maybe something might be starting to happen. But the only other thing I could think of for why he hasn't been sued yet is uh, just the sheer like cult of it.
0: Yeah, you'd probably be harassed.
1: Yeah, uh, and and like it's the people that they interviewed all said that like they. Did the thing like they went through his haunted house like five years ago and got, you know, beaten up and fucking tarantulas dumped on their face and stuff (laughs) and like abused and stuff. And it took them years to realize that that even like was abusive
0: yeah, because there's, like, an entire group. of There's, like, online groups where the, going through the haunt, haunted house makes you, like, a mini-celebrity. A niche internet micro-celebrity, one might say. <laughs>
1: yeah. See, that's why I was, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, my God, there's all these parallels to what I do. Because, like, um, two of the people, at least, were, you know, explained in their own terms that they were like, yeah, I kind of did this because, uh, you know, I, it was... Uh, possible I felt like it was gonna to lead to like a a celebrity thing like a viral thing on YouTube or something like that or for one of them I think it kind of did um, I, he originally started in California and he's had to move states a couple of times and he's in the south now but when he was in California that uh really attractive actress lady looks like Rosario Dawson was saying oh yeah I was young and I moved to California and I was a horror head like he was yeah. into horror films and thought this might be like a way into that world and she ended up working for him which is crazy to hear her talk about it now because she's like sounds like she's talking about a serial killer
0: yeah she was working for him running his twitter doing um like damage control for when other people would call him out and she she admits this in the documentary but uh it it took her like what like five years to come around to understand how fucked up what she went through was
1: yeah, and then uh, the other one, the the like goth chick. I can't remember any of their fucking names. Sorry, people. But uh, <laughs> um, she was also saying, like, yeah, no. To be honest, like the like the clout, like the you know the possibility that you could you know become a huge thing out of this, uh, combined with the fact that he's like obviously drawing people in and saying, like, oh, you're like the one. You're gonna be the biggest star of this thing. She, she said he made a you know, up a nickname for her the abyss queen
0: the abyss queen
1: <laughs> um she did
0: it twice yeah that's the wild part is she went back a second time
1: yeah that's crazy um but like the the way that like the pursuit of you know something that we used to call fame that's now like this amorphous thing that you know manifests as clout or likes or just like weird sense of self that you get through the internet uh that struck me as like a huge parallel with being around people that are all trying to get famous all the time and watching them have these experiences and then you know sometimes you do know somebody who like years later is like wait a minute that person i worked for was a fucking psychopath but i was just lost in the sauce you know
0: yeah all the time especially living in New York or Los Angeles. Like I've had so many friends with jobs in the entertainment industry or like working for major porn studios that are so excited when they like get that job. And then, you know, two, three, sometimes even faster years later, they're traumatized. And they're like, I'm in an abusive relationship with my boss.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, and then the last guy, was really interesting because he was somebody who worked with him like, and said that like they started doing the haunted houses back in the innocent days together. And he was like, great at it. And you know, if he just kept doing it like that, it would have been a lot of fun, but he like watched, you know, his own like friend and collaborator go off the deep end, which like I definitely can relate to that. I've had a few of those people in my (laughs) life where you're like, oh okay once this thing really starts popping off you're gonna like go in some directions where uh like we all have to back off you know um i think that that was the four of them right two guys two girls yes um so where should we start though like what
0: (laughs) i have so many thoughts i know (laughs) (laughs) i guess my like my first instinct is to talk about how it's different than a regular haunted house or how it might be different than like a consensual bdsm scene yeah because like uh normally when you go through a haunted house you walk around and people jump out of corners and they say boo or you know maybe you see scary scenes there's weird sounds smoke machines whatever right uh And if you need to leave, you just kind of are like, I have to get out of here. And then there's more extreme haunts where you have like a safe word. Uh, You can stop the whole experience by saying your safe word, whatever it is for the particular attraction. Uh, But at McKinney Manor, they don't have that. (laughs) Right. Uh, The safe wording is not a thing. So it's specifically... When Russ decides you're done, you're done. And the way people describe that in the documentary was that you are um, a pile of flesh and bones or you are so psychologically damaged in that moment that it would not be safe for you to continue. So the gold for him doesn't really seem like you know like having fun or like a mutually beneficial experience it's like to psychologically break someone which is very different than your typical even extreme like halloween haunted house yeah yeah it's also not really a Halloween thing for him. He does it all year round. <laughs>
1: That's a good it's point. Three hundred
0: and sixty-five days a year torture chamber.
1: <laughs> I didn't even think about yeah. that.
0: You, you and you and me both rust. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween yeah. all year.
1: Right, because he started off as like a Halloween thing for kids, and then it just became like, uh, like there's this episode of King of the Hill where Bill uh, has a really good time being a, a Santa Claus, uh, you know, that everyone starts to like him in the neighborhood. So he just doesn't stop doing it. And that's, it's psychotic if you're doing it four months later or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really funny though. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah. So I, the thing I liked about this, uh, this document, which I can't remember if I said the name of it, but it's monster inside colon America's most extreme haunted house on Hulu. Um, it's, So they kind of talked about uh, other haunted houses and they, you know, instead of, uh, I don't know, instead of just like speculating at what the fuck this is and um, ogling at it, like I've seen like a couple other people do. They gave an example near the end of another extreme haunted house that is like also very edgy and very taboo but the key difference is like consent they have safe words and they like the intention of the people running it clearly is to like give people some sort of dominion over this experience they're trying to to like you know put themselves through for the purpose of i don't know entertainment or catharsis or whatever Which, like, I think with Russ McCamey, it's very clear that his intention is what's, like, the key factor that's driven him away from that. And I think that's, like, such an interesting, nuance line when it comes to uh, comedy. Like, in my own world, like, I have so many fucking edgelords that are, like... Like, I think about it like BDSM a lot and, like, horror. Where it's, like, if you have the consent of everyone involved... It's really fun to push the edges and, like, you know, roast someone really hard. That's why they say you you, you roast the ones you love or whatever. Um, And, like, explore the depths of how hard, how weird a joke can go and stuff like that. And when comedians get upset is when they put something out into the world, you know, by doing stand-up on stage or on the internet or whatever, and they don't get the reaction they want. And it's like, well, you couldn't have possibly had the consent of everyone... Everyone in an alien experience like that, where it's like thousands or millions of people or whatever. Um, so I, that's why I like I kind of myself have arrived at being like an edgelord off mic. Is I think this is the ethical way to do that. Or if you, I don't know, you have like a show where it's like a thing where you go, Hey, warning everyone before you go in, we're gonna fucking say some words or whatever. Yeah. Um, and also uh horror you know, is like that where like you want you you don't want to psychologically damage anyone,
0: yeah, you know what you're signing up for when you watch Terrifier though, yeah, like
1: terrifiers <laughs> for freaks like us, <laughs> <laughs> um, you would not show that to a fucking child, right? there's some sort of society in place that would try to prevent that from happening, um, and then with like. With BDSM, obviously, you know, the consent is, like, this high fucking premium thing. And, like, I guess what I'm getting at is, like, in all three of those realms, there's this difference. When there's someone who isn't doing that, that's the difference between someone who's, like, uh, I don't know, like, artistic and mindful and someone who's, like, a creep. Like, like somebody who's into horror but doesn't care about whether they're, like scaring people who want to be scared or not, that's a scary person. That could be like just a like a creepy person, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even put on a movie with, like, terrible body horror-type stuff um, around someone who didn't want to watch something like that. Like, why? It just seems unfulfilling for both of us unless the thing that I was excited about was upsetting that other person. Yeah. Which is kind of... Seems like it's Russ's whole deal. And, like... I don't
1: know. I I I'm reading the stand right now and it's really good. Um I'm sorry that Stephen King is a old lib on Twitter, but he's an old rich white guy, you know. Unfortunately, he's a very great writer. And like I've been thinking about a lot a lot about this quote I heard from him where he said that he was like afraid of the dark. And I think that's why he's such a good horror writer, is not because he's like the edgiest guy of all time. It's cause he's a very fearful person, so he can draw upon it and he's like Exploring the way that uh, you know fear can play on the human mind, and I think that people that are like that are you know in art or in BDSM or in fucking you know comedy or whatever, people that have that mindfulness about it, that are aware that they're like, okay, I'm taking control of a thing, are the best at it. And it's also the only way to do it. And the people that just like wield it with disregard for anyone and like are constantly shouting over people that are saying like, No, I actually like didn't want to be in the haunted house for you know seven hours or whatever. That's how you end up with like predators.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's wouldn't really fly in any other scenario. Like imagine a bar that you walked into and you were like, I'm done drinking now. And they locked the doors and held your mouth open. And we're like, no, you're not. Like, that wouldn't work.
1: I mean, you're describing a great time to <laughs> me. But, I, you know, I like the sauce. <laughs> you no, know, Or like
0: a carnival ride where they let everybody off, but they kept you locked in and kept it going. And you said, let me off. And that's, you know, all way less psychologically like, terrifying than the things we saw in that documentary. I mean, people were... Having bugs put on them, being buried alive, being beaten till their lips and face were swollen. Looks like some people got broken bones.
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. So let me ask you a question. We were talking about this with somebody else the other day. Uh, as someone who like is involved in BDSM and sees clients who are looking for something like that, did these people strike you as people that just didn't know you can go? to... To you? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, You know, I think some of them might not understand that that's an option or that that's something that they would even enjoy. A lot of people have never considered seeing a professional dominatrix, even if they, you know, might get some catharsis or release or pleasure out of it. Um, But I think what these people were looking for more than anything was like a way to push themselves. And I don't understand why they didn't end up at like, like tough mudder races or like uh i don't know like we were talking about earlier like bungee jumping or go do brazilian brazilian jiu-jitsu go go for a roll like don't give don't bring this weird guy dog food and let him like sexually terrorize you for 8 hours <laughs> <laughs> but you can hire me to do that um and i'll link my website
1: <laughs> i guess yeah i mean like, it's probably more common than not that people like don't make stuff like this sexual the, I don't know what do I you
0: don't think? know because a lot of people are very horny at Haunted Houses <laughs> Um, I recently worked at a kind of, uh, I worked at an immersive kinky theater thing this year. And, uh, that was like openly horny. Like people knew what they were signing up for. Um, they had, there was a long waiver too, but we didn't do anything like that. I mean, there was a part where, uh, audience members got electrocuted, but they could (laughs) opt out of it and they could also opt out of it at any time that it was happening. And the electricity was like mild. Yeah. Um, but most of the contact with the audience was pretty. We did like touch them, but in very specific non-sexual ways, uh-huh. and uh, they could have left at any time. Like everybody had a group safe word that anyone could have used to end the experience, but no one ended up doing it. Everybody wanted to stay. It was yeah, cool. it's a lot more mild than Mackaynie Manor, though, because we were trying to like you know tell a story and provide a spooky little thing, not like. Uh, psychologically destroy someone and give them ptsd
1: <laughs> yeah it's like uh see a movie in 4d where they throw the water at you and shit yeah yeah <laughs> i mean the elect getting shocked is pretty extreme but if people know that's what's happening that it's yeah. like hey go have fun with your crazy fucking you know thing you want to watch the yeah you
0: it was uh i'd do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I, I do think, I you know, it was, they were talking about him ending up dating some of the women that had gone through and then uh, about Russ dating some of the women that had gone through the haunt and then um, like making them go through over and over again. And in that case, uh, like some of those people, I, I don't know if it's that they're being manipulated by him or if they just love that feeling or because we didn't really talk to the ex-girlfriends in the documentary like they were just mentioned by other people i don't know what's going on there um but some people that you know it's kind of like (laughs) maybe this is a silly parallel to draw but um you know how like trad wives will like get on tiktok and talk about how they like love to make dinner and (laughs) do everything for their husband and uh don't let him lift a finger and have to look hot all the time and would like never I, you know the long list of things i mean he could try to wave and i'm just like yeah misogyny kink is a thing though. <laughs> like maybe you just have that um like not everybody needs to live this way but you specifically are just horny about it
1: yeah i don't know i mean it also kind of reminded me of like uh, when people get into a relationship and just like get absorbed by the other person like when someone who was not interested in politics at all you catch up with them later on facebook and they're married to someone who's a fucking maga persons so and now they're really mad about you know woke shit or whatever that's happened to me a few times um i mean i've seen people like get into relationships with comedians and then suddenly become just overly immersed in this fucking world and like (laughs) care about stuff that they should not care about and stuff like that. Um, But also, I mean, he was like straight up uh, sleep depriving those women and like doing stuff that, uh, you know, that's like consistent with cult leadership. Like he was getting called cult leaders, but uh, it was called a cult by a few of the people in the documentary
0: yeah, I mean he has that whole like Facebook and online community of people willing to defend him and to silence detractors, which is scary.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was another parallel that I saw with a lot of the shit that I'm involved in is uh the way that it it formed into like um I mean the thing that you hear whenever you criticize anyone who does something who has a rabid fan base like this, especially fan bases that form organically through social media is the person who's being criticized calls that other person like a liar, jealous. I think there's an acronym for it, like Darvo. Somebody said to me, I can't remember what all the letters are, but it's like deny, uh, they're envious, uh, whatever the fuck reverse
0: attack. Yeah. Something like that.
1: Is that what it is? Yeah. It's what
0: narcissists do, like narcissistic abusers do to their victims,
1: right? Yeah, and like ever since I like kind of looked at that, I've seen it everywhere. Like I saw, I watched a documentary about Cosby, and you saw a lot of it there, which is like, oh, you're just jealous of him because he's doing such great stuff or whatever, or you're crazy. That's another one, and like, uh, I don't know. Social media and like alt media has led through uh through through like the lack of channels for people to you know just get like a mainstream career or whatever all these alt comedy worlds have popped up so the people that are obsessed with me it's the same shit like when i was watching the little text bubbles they put on the screen that said like (laughs) you're a cunt is misspelled or whatever like this is the same shit people you know who want to defend their person that they cape for who they're, they're just for whatever reason obsessed with and it manifested in this way that they listen to some podcast or whatever. They say, you're crazy, you're jealous, you don't understand like the nuance to what they're doing and stuff. Um, and it, it, I don't know. I, I guess it was kind of fascinating to me because like you think of uh, cults as these things that the one person at the top like comes up with as a way to maintain their following. But I think it's like a thing that way more organically forms around a narcissist like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't, you need the, the people like, you know, the inner, uh, I guess I want to say like cadre or like inner circle of whatever cult to, uh, gain new members and convince people that you're not a psychopath and, uh, Every narcissist that I've ever met in my lifetime is like really good at having three or four people that are like no no they're great trust me yeah um, and that's kind of where it all starts growing from.
1: Well, you know, also like something I I got when I read it, I the body keeps the score uh, that I kind of see over and over again in this stuff too is like a lot of these scenes. That form into cults like this are based around stuff like this. (laughs) Yeah. That like if you have trauma like you don't get any pleasure from most normal things that exists within like an art form or a part of life, you know, and then. So when you find the person who is able to activate those neural pathways by giving you that juice through like what he's doing with these haunted houses or with like edgelord comedy or with BDSM or whatever, it's such a, um, you, you've been like starved or like, uh, you know, crawling through the desert in such a way Mm -hmm. looking for that stimulation that you be, it, it allows the followers or, immediately around that person to become very protective of that person because they're like the only person that they get the juice
0: from, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the brain chemical shit that happens when you have a really good BDSM scene is very intense like the endorphin rush and then also the potential crash after and like we in the king community we have like names for all of that you know like when people first start out especially submissive people that have been chasing something like that for their whole life they can sometimes go a little overboard, like playing with anyone and everyone, trying all the kinks, getting in over their head with a certain dom. We call it sub frenzied, in, in an effort to warn people that, like, the <laughs> things you're, you might not actually be as excited about this as you think. You're just like. Having oxytocin for the first time in a long time. It's like a bunch
1: of backed up neurochemicals getting <laughs> yeah. pushed out for the first time or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Just like my advice to people is always like, take a beat, like, <laughs> you know, take a breath. Nothing's, it's all going to be there tomorrow. Make sure you're, you know, doing everything with a clear head, um, not making any major decisions in the middle of a scene, things like that. Um, but yeah, that, that is 100% true. Like you're, um, if your neural pathways are all messed up from trauma, you're going to be looking for any way to to alleviate that, whether it's, you know, kink or ultra marathons or...
1: Well, let me ask you a question because I feel like this documentary is very sympathetic to the, the like, the customers. Uh-huh. Like, I don't even know if you can't call them customers because they don't fucking pay. They donate dog food or whatever to get in there. But uh, the 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 whatever the fuck the people that went to the haunted house the um um what's a ten dollar word I'm looking for I don't know uh, enthusiasts I don't know uh but it was here's what I'm saying it was very sympathetic to them at, in terms of why they did this in the first place like mm-hmm. it didn't want to alienate them and it went as far as to interview this uh this doctor. I don't know exactly what his field was, but he seemed like a therapist or something. Yeah. The doctor and what he described as deviant pleasure. And the argument that he was making, which I thought was very bold, and I can hear a lot of people already mad about this, but I kind of <laughs> think he has a point. The argument he was making was that as a society, we should have more outlets for people that have needs like this because they are real needs and not just hedonistic excess which is what I think a lot of people accuse people like us of and like uh, you know you can be both like I see Spy, like, <laughs> you,
0: you know you know that I'm both <laughs>
1: <laughs> you definitely can be but like I don't know, personally in my life I've often felt like uh, annoyed when people are like that's why you're like this because I to me I'm like no I'm very much I, I identified with the PTSD guy or whatever who's just like yeah no, I know I've got a thing like I it has to be scratched or you know or else everything just feels like gray and existentially weird or whatever how do you feel about that as you know also as like a leftist because we're talking like society questions is that even possible for everything to be set up to where like needs are met you know how does sex work play into that
0: that's like six questions all at once Um. sorry answer as many or as (laughs) few as you want uh so i think that sometimes um people that see me especially people i have had quite a few like ex-military clients that have ptsd that Uh see me always describe the feeling after like releasing a pressure valve like it's like cathartic for them uh i don't think that uh if you know seeing a sadistic uh, edgy dominatrix is the move for everybody. It just, it's what works for them, you know? Yeah. Um, So I would love to see more outlets like that for people because I do think a lot of people like the catharsis that comes from either playing with pain or fear in a controlled environment. Uh, whether that's you know haunted house or jumping out of a plane or uh, me stringing you up blindfolding you and not knowing when the whip's gonna hit next right Um, but yeah I mean I think ideally as a leftist (laughs) if we had a society where everyone's material needs were met we might not need quite so much of the the other good stuff (laughs) but I'd still do it for fun
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Like, I would still... Even if there was no, like, uh, long-term benefits to my work and it was just fun and horny, I would do it for those reasons alone. But it is more fulfilling because I have a lot of people that see me that, uh, you know, say that it adds to their life in in a greater way. And I also feel like I definitely have, like, kink relationships that are fun for me but also important to me on a deeper level. Like, I enjoy the psychological and like artistic challenges that go into creating long-term dynamics or scenes that really play with fear without putting anyone in actual danger. Like I love making people think that things are really scary and awful, but they're not, you know? Yeah. Um, definitely like taken a drop or of water and put it in a glass and told someone to drink it <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, like it's just water from a vial <laughs> no it's tap water yeah you're like,
1: lead poisoning
0: and just putting it in their like cup and like drink this <laughs> like, what is it like I won't tell you <laughs> stuff like that um that's funny. Yeah, or just, like, it's simple things. Like, a blindfold makes everything so much scarier, but I'm not, like, actually going to beat someone until their bones break, like, in the documentary we just watched.
1: Yeah, like, Russ McKamey, who, by the way, if you've never seen him, he looks like Gary Busey. It's very unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> Old military guy with a fucking guile haircut. Um, Yeah, no, I think that you're right about the material needs thing, and I don't think, like, sometimes leftists make a very reductive argument, which is that, like, if, if everyone's material needs were met, just X a thing or whatever would completely disappear and, like, be completely dissolved from society and we would just be, like, floating orbs of joy and all this shit. Yeah,
0: no, I, there'd still be perverts and I'd still be one of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that, like... Um, You know, like, okay, so, like, real talk. Uh, I lived in 538, which I podcasted about, and it was insane. And I lived in, like, pretty bad living situations for a long time because I was pursuing, you know, creative stuff. And just getting into this apartment that i found that's, like, kind of got some space. It's the first time I've ever really been able to stretch my legs and stuff. Even the last few days, I've noticed that – thinking about my relationship with various vices that are inherently things that I pursue that are, you know, I'm not going to church it up like (laughs) drinking and doing drugs is not good for you, but I still like doing them. I've noticed my relationship change within a few days because of having like uh, a need met that wasn't being met, met, which is just like space. And like, mm-hmm. s- like I-, I need like alone time and stuff like that. And what that led me to wasn't the conclusion of like, Oh, if, if I had this, I would never drink again. It's that I'd probably be a better drinker. Like I wouldn't yeah. f- fucking drink and drive and stuff like that or whatever the f- dangerous shit that you can do that can- mixes with alcohol, drink too much, etc. or mm-hmm. all the time, you know? Um, and I think that's like, that's what you see. In studies about like um countries where they just have better like addiction counseling and therapy and stuff like that you don't end up with russ mccamey at the end of that <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you do there's like one of him and like it gets dealt with in a better way yeah but yeah no i think uh that's that's all very true i i think that i've definitely had people um seek out my services in a way that like there, there's a lot of people that email me to see me that I don't end up seeing, even if they are, their intention is serious. They have the money they want to pay. Uh-huh. They're willing to follow all my protocol.
1: They have the dog food donation.
0: <laughs> yeah. They've got the dog food donation <laughs> ready. Uh, simply because like in their, you know, in the like client intake, they sound like they're trying to use BDSM as self harm, or they want me to do things that are, way beyond what I consider like an acceptable amount of risk. Uh, and every so often, you know, depending on how serious they are about what they're asking me to do, I really do say, like, you, you don't need a dominatrix, like, you you need a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but usually, uh, often I, I just don't respond because I, I don't know what to do with someone that's like, chop off my dick and feed it to my dog or whatever Jesus whatever the Christ. emails say.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you get emails that mild, I can't even imagine what the fuck Russ became he gets. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, people ask me to do all kinds of shit to them. Um, but, I mean, you know, I will say I can't talk that much shit because I saw Russ McKinney do at least six things that documentary that I have done. <laughs> uh, and a couple that I am going to try now. <laughs> Especially the... Burying someone alive with wet dirt while they were in that mask. That one was, really did something for me.
1: I think I was freaking out. I don't have that fear. So when I, like, I, I think the way he, his thing works. So there's is, our weekend plan. Well, I'll do it because I don't care. Yeah. I'm not afraid of being buried alive. <laughs> but I think what he does is he asks people to tell them, like, their worst fear. And that's kind of a common one. And that guy probably told him that. And then that's why he was like, ah, there's dirt on my face or whatever. But. <laughs> That doesn't scare me because there's usually dirt on my face.
0: <laughs> you don't live at 538 anymore. Calm down. <laughs>
1: no, well, there used to be a lot on my face all the time. <laughs>
0: I'm going to get a t-shirt that says I did my time at 538 and make them for all the girls I know that have dated people that live there.
1: That's a great really idea. <laughs> I survived 538. You know, the all, tour. All,
0: all I got was the staff infection.
1: <laughs> I've got a 538 hat.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. I've seen it. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. It looks like a Navy hat yeah it's just like Russ McCanny was in the Navy for so long
1: it's it's all we're all the same <laughs> so many parallels
0: <laughs> um that's interesting uh thing how many military people are attracted to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, that's, I don't want to make any assumptions, but there seems like an obvious guess. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the military is like fucking bad for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, the takeaway from this should be don't listen to recruiters and don't go to McCamey Manor. So,
1: If you're in high school and those fucking guys come to your high school and say, hey, do you like playing video games? Join the Marines. Do not do it because you will end up at McCamey Manor with fucking bugs all over your face <laughs> yeah. or green that's, paint or whatever. That's
0: the end game if you make it home from whatever forever war the united states does next <laughs>
1: Really, honestly that is a really funny like story is like you know the horrors of being a fucking veteran or whatever now i gotta go to this goddamn halloween guy's house every weekend or i can't think straight <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's he's not a Halloween guy. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> he's a twenty
1: four seven Halloween person. It's not a phase, mom.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> somebody mentioned last month during uh, October. Uh, they somebody said on Twitter that how uh, Hall- like people that are really into Halloween are like just alt or goth <laughs> Disney adults, and I i'm hurt by that but it's not wrong <laughs> i
0: was like damn did you flip a table or
1: something? <laughs> i was like you know when somebody when they got you they got you i mean fuck i it's so easy for me to make fun of disney adults because i don't have that shit burrowed yeah. in my brain but i every october i see like a jack-o'-lantern and i'm like it my brain just starts lighting up or whatever definitely <laughs>
0: somebody referred to Um, BDSM as sex LARPing at me and I was like well you got me there (laughs) 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 Uh, you know I was like feel uh, occasionally I'll feel really cool in my tiny niche community because someone will be excited to meet me and then they'll try to introduce me to my friend to their friend who knows nothing about kink and they'll be like who (laughs) like go back to whatever they're doing It's like, yeah, because I'm a professional sex larper. It's a niche thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know what's weird, though, is like over the last uh, however many years, there's been this gradual destigmatization of BDSM and stuff like that. Like, I remember when I was younger and it was a part of my life, I was just like psychologically terrified to ever say out loud and stuff. And if you would go to like social events, you know, they were kind of like, secret and you people would use fake names and stuff like that and like uh fat life became a thing and like every once in a while you'd see someone you know on it and you'd be like what the fuck is this okay how many people are doing this and how many people aren't yeah i was thinking about that during this part of the the doc where uh spoiler if you're gonna watch this this is a very funny thing that happens somebody hacks into spoiler don't listen if you want the reveal okay Somebody hacks into his fucking email account and discovers all this stuff about him. Uh, one being that he doesn't pay taxes on his weird fucking manner or whatever. Another one that his family hates him, sure. But the third one is that he works at Walmart. And this woman in the documentary goes to like to she finds the Walmart he works at, and then she like brings a camera and doesn't tell him that she's like cruising to look at Russ McCamey. And she's like, wow, that's so, that was so weird or whatever. But it reminded me of like, um, how, I don't know, like the world used to be like that where you would even see someone and like not, like out of respect, not say anything because, you know, okay, like we're both part of this taboo underground and stuff. And I don't know, it's kind of not like that anymore. It's, it's super not like that for me because I got outed. <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It, I don't know. I feel like... It's
0: definitely less stigmatized than it was. Um, I think... you know, even within the king community, the shit I do is pretty extreme. So <laughs> I, I um, I don't know if that that uh, bright light has shined on uh, some of the more taboo activities I've partaken yet,
1: but that's fair. I mean, some, <laughs> some normal person that like watched it, a Fifty Shades of Grey movie meets you, and they're like,
0: "Whoa, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, they're like, <laughs> stop electrocuting me,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah," or like, I don't know, I had a i got a really funny email from a client or like an ex-client a while ago uh, where he was like i'm so sorry i miss violet but i can no longer continue to see you because of the cannibalism fetish posts you make on twitter <laughs> <laughs> i no longer think you are joking and i'm uncomfortable <laughs> and like, farewell and godspeed <laughs> <sighs> The jokes oh. keyword <laughs> uh.
1: people are so faint of heart you know yeah
0: I'm like every time someone gets mad at me for something the woke
1: I, mob finally came for you they they, they <laughs> came for me
0: for booking you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh man. well the edge lords also came for you for that
0: yeah well a lot of jokes like on me. them i'm a worse edge lord than jake <laughs> little do they know <laughs> What's
1: the funny thing is where y'all are
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like not like who who wears the pants in the relationship, who's the woke moralist in the relationship. Yeah. Sorry, I can't get that Jordan Peterson quote out of my head. I just thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen.
1: It is. Up I w- yours woke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to turn that into my alarm clock. So I wake oh. up with him going, Up yours woke moralist because he's saying woke, I don't know. Somehow he's it made sense. He's got the to me. best voice,
0: <laughs> like a little Kermit the Frog.
1: I yeah, I found a music video he made the other day. It's a completely insane. <laughs> it's unhinged. It looks like a Chris Fleming video Is or it something. Like the
0: Tim Pool music video. <laughs> no,
1: it's just him. Like it's like an apartment thing where he's just like cutting to himself, doing a bunch of weird random shit and like singing. I don't know. I'm
0: kind of disappointed that like so many right-wing people that would hate me have kind of like decided to do either like new metal or rap rock. (laughs) (laughs) So there are two genres I (laughs) unironically enjoy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, what's weird about art though. You know, is that like you can't, you can't feel sometimes try to reduce like good people and bad people morality to like something like a genre. And it's like way more nuanced than that. (laughs) there are people at new metal that are fucking cool. And then there's a bunch of dickheads. <laughs> there's like Aaron Lewis, you know, the stained guy who's like a fucking MAGA chud now. And then there's like, it's
0: been a while.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, you know, system of a down or whatever. They're, they're good. Right.
0: I, this surge is good. I think they have like one conservative band member. Don't quote <laughs> me on that though. I don't I don't want to e- expose how much new metal knowledge I have. <laughs>
1: Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you seem pretty proud of it at Wallet Chain.
0: That's true. I did throw a large new metal rave. <laughs> Doing another one in New York soon.
1: All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we can wind this down.
0: <laughs> yeah, on that
1: note. <laughs> um, Russ McCabe, um based or Chugi. Chewy. He's definitely Chuggy so <laughs> Sorry, folks. Uh, he needs a new haircut. Russ McKamey, you're the bozo of the week. That's the thing I've started doing on my podcast. Bozo of the week? Bozo of the week.
0: Do you have to say it in a funny voice?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to last.
0: <laughs> Russ McKamey, you're the bozo of the week.
1: There you go. <laughs> um, anyways, thank you for coming on the show. I'm sure it will not be the last time. Uh, thank you for... Uh get the insight into your world and the nuances of consent and
0: such. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Um where can my listeners find you?
0: Uh they can find me at Twitter slash oh excuse me, X slash Violet Faraday, <laughs> Miss Violet Faraday on Instagram, ww.servevioletfaraday dot com or uh, same name on OnlyFans.
1: Cool all right uh happy halloween again everyone it's we're like russell mckamey here halloween never ends
0: (laughs) it's a lifestyle (laughs)
1: yeah uh the end of the podcast we say it's finished it's finished oh thank you so much baby (laughs)